This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 1346 of Horse Tip Daily, your almost everyday morsel of helpful hints, useful facts, and practical techniques for horse folks. Brought to you today by Bed in a Box. horse people. Coach Jen here, and thanks for tuning in to Horse Tip Daily. Today's tip is an excerpt from the monthly Australian episode on Horses in the Morning featuring Fiona Deering. This time, she chats with the Chamberlain's law firms about lease agreements. And we'll get right to our tip after this from bedinabox.com. Welcome to bedinabox.com, where you'll find the most comfortable, pressure-relieving memory foam mattress at only one-third the cost of the leading brands. We have created an exclusive memory foam that sleeps cooler, rebounds quicker, and cradles your body in pain-relieving comfort better than other types of memory foams. Introducing our new memory foam technology. By swirl-infusing gel into our advanced memory foam, we have created an even cooler, more comfortable sleeping surface. Best of all, it's made right here in the USA. He had been dealing with back pain and chiropractor visits for a while, so we decided it was probably time to find a new mattress. So we started doing some research on memory foam mattresses and found bedinabox.com. We were on a trip with some friends, and they actually had a bed in a box mattress in their camper. And on their recommendation, we decided to get one for ourselves. They got it to us in no time. We had no problem adjusting, and we were thrilled with the comfort. In fact, my husband doesn't have to get up early anymore due to back pain. He can lie in bed for as long as he likes without any discomfort. We recommend Bed in a Box to anyone who has back problems or just needs a good night's rest. We believe we have created the world's best memory foam mattress. Using independent accredited labs, we have tested our mattresses against the industry leaders to ensure comfort and durability. Test results show our mattresses relieve pressure better than the more expensive ones found in retail stores. Buying a mattress over the internet may seem risky. That's why we offer a 120-day zero-risk return policy. You get a full 100% refund if you're not satisfied. No hidden fees and no return shipping charges, and we back them with a 20-year warranty. Sound too good to be true? Don't take our word for it. Read what real customers are writing about us on Facebook, Twitter, Viewpoints.com, and other third-party review sites. We are dedicated to quality and service. We offer fast, free shipping to the contiguous U.S. Your mattress will arrive conveniently packaged and will be ready to sleep on within minutes. With the benefits of the leading brand mattresses, but at one-third the cost, why wait? Start getting the best sleep of your life. Call, chat, or email one of our friendly customer care agents to learn why 99% of our customers sleep better and toss and turn less on their new bed-in-a-box mattress. Welcome to Saywood Breast from Chamberlain's Lawyers and you know we're, we're delighted to have Chamberlain's as a sponsor for us again. So thanks for joining us, Saywood. How are you today, Fiona? Very well, thanks. Now today we're going to talk about something that I'm sure we've all seen on social media going wrong. Strangely, you never see it actually go right, but I guess people don't talk about things that go right so much as they talk about things that going wrong go wrong and that is lease agreements okay so 
there are a few areas where lease agreements can go wrong. You're correct. We do always hear about the bad stories mm. in the media. Um, so I've just tried to lump them generally into five categories for the listeners of different areas that they need to watch out for and clarify. But just as an overall point, I just want to say to the listeners that it would be in your best interest, whether you're the owner of the horse or the person leasing the horse, to get everything in a properly written agreement, which Chamberlain's can help you with if you want to contact us, um, because you just don't want any doubts as to what the answers are to any of the questions that might come up throughout the course of the lease. Absolutely. Um, okay, so the first category is what I call cost and payment. So you need to clarify what type of lease it is, if there is a cost to lease a horse, because sometimes people will put horses on a free lease. But regardless of what it is, you need to clarify that so that both parties are aware of what they're agreeing to in terms of cost. And if there is a cost, how the payments will be made and when the payments are due and the consequences for not making the payments. All of that needs to be clear between the parties. That's my first category. My second category is time period and breach. So the parties need to agree on how long the lease is going to run for and any events that would terminate the lease if it's indefinite or if it terminates before a date that's agreed in the agreement. So, for example, you might have a clause about the failure to pay and how that might bring about a termination of the lease. You might also have clauses in there about um, an option to purchase. The person who's leasing the horse might want the option to purchase the horse at the end of the lease, or they might just want a, what's called a right of first refusal, which basically means that if you want to sell the horse at the end of the lease, you first offer it to the person who had been leasing it, and if they turn it down, then you would start to try to sell the horse to someone else. And I guess the other thing in that is when the lease agreement ends that another lease agreement is signed, that, that agreement just doesn't continue on into the future for however long. You know, that the, the terms are set and then when that's ended, you, you make the decision whether the lease will roll around again or not. Yeah, that's right. And it's up to the parties, of course, how long they want that to go for, um, but you just need to make it clear so that people aren't in doubt as to when the lease finishes. Absolutely. Because they can always make a new lease, in which case they can renegotiate all of those terms, but it just needs to be certain for the parties so that you don't get into a fight about wanting the horse back early, say, for example. Yep. Um, the third thing is relevant information. Okay. Now, this is where people can really get them into trouble is that you need to accurately detail the identity of the parties to the lease, okay, including the owner of the horse, because sometimes something like a horse could be in the name of, for example, a business, whereas you've been dealing directly with, say, the director of the business. So everyone needs to know who everyone is and where they're located and how they can get into touch with them. The actual horse needs to be properly identified and the actual location where the horse will be kept needs to be properly identified so that in the event that you say as the owner has to take repossession of the horse for whatever reason because the lease terminates or whatever, that you actually know where they're intending to keep the horse 
Um, and I'd also advise as police goes on to always keep tabs on your horse, but we need to have, make sure that all of these things are clear in the agreement. I think the next group is control and care of the horse is what I'll just call it generally. Um, a lot of owners will want to stipulate certain things that they want done with the horse, maybe some sort of treatment or therapy that the horse needs. They, there are some scenarios where people will actually loan tack and equipment with the horse that they want used on the horse, which then needs to be identified. All of these items need to be dealt with in terms of earning them, the condition they're expected to be returned in. And you also need to nut out how the horse is going to be transported off the property to the person leasing it, if that's what it's happening. Sometimes people will lease a horse and leave it at the property. If it's going anywhere at the beginning of the lease, you need to detail that and who's paying for that. And then also the return of the horse needs to be detailed. So it's clear what parties liable for the cost of return of the horse and when that's due to be done and what sort of notice period needs to be given for return. Um, all, all of these things are going to affect how the horse is cared for and how the horse is going to leave and come back to the owner. And anything that's got to do with the control of the horse and the use of the horse should should be detailed in the agreement to the extent that it's possible to detail that so that the parties actually know essentially what's going to be happening with the horse over this period of time. And I think the owners will find they feel a lot better about the horse if they at least can rely on the agreement and point to the agreement and say, I specifically said that this horse needed this particular supplement or drug treatment and you did or didn't do it. Yeah. And I mean, the other big thing that comes into that is I guess a, a really important thing to be written up in a lease agreement is what occurs if there is a catastrophic injury to the horse that requires yeah, either euthanasia right. or a large amount of vet um, money and time and just so that both parties know where they stand because that's a tough one if, if you're leasing the horse and you're all of a sudden up for thousands of dollars in veterinary care. That's correct, and that's that brings me to my last group. Oh, I, I jumped the gun. Risk. Okay. <laughs> jumped the gun. <laughs> Are you thinking about it? Um, so indemnity and risk have a few things that you would sort of put under this category. Um, the first thing is permitted uses and limitations for using the horse. Okay, so for example, it's an older horse. You know it won't stay sound if it jumps a lot, but it'll be fine for basic flat work, those sorts of things. Yep need to be spelled out so that, you know, the horse isn't being used in such a way that it's going to come back to the owner less sound than it left. Um, also, just for the horse's obviously welfare and comfort that he's not being asked to do things that he's just not going to be able to do. In indemnity, okay, given by the person leaving the horse, basically to protect the owner if, say, for example, the person leasing the horse is injured while riding the horse. So you want your indemnity in there. You need to spell out who is the responsible party in the event of the veterinary care issue that you were raising, including the, you know, what is going to happen if the horse needs to be euthanized, the details of the regular vet for the horse. That sort of stuff should be included. If the horse is insured, that information needs to be in there as well. And if, you know, the parties haven't insured the horse and the person, say, leasing the horse and the owner later decides to get insurance, then the parties need 
control that they're aware of what that insurance covers. The notice to the owner. So, for example, say there's a catastrophic event and the horse has to be put down immediately. How are you going? And you can't get a hold of the owner. What sort of notice are you going to be able to give? So you might want to deal with all those sorts of issues. And then also just dealing with any warranties or disclosures that might be an issue. So, for example, if you know that the horse has a vice, then you might want to disclose that so that they can, for example, not keep the horse that cribs in the paddock that's just got a plain rail at the top that's yeah. just going to be destroyed. Yeah. So all of that stuff that, you know, involves risk and liability and stuff needs to be spelled out in the agreement as well. I'm doing lots of nodding at the end here, which, you know, isn't great for radio, but <laughs> I'm agreeing with you. <laughs> So that, those are the major categories, and obviously that's not everything, I and mean, the agreement needs to be properly drafted, but that gives people an idea of the sort of stuff that they might want to nut out and negotiate with the, the other side before they actually, you know, draft something and then find later on that it didn't include a bunch of this stuff that they didn't work out. Absolutely, and it really just gives people those, those thinking points of, of what does need to be included in an agreement. Thank you so much, Saywood. Where can people find you? Email me if they would like. It's saywood.breast.chamberlains.com.au. They can also just put an inquiry in on our website, chamberlains.com.au, and they can also contact me through the Equine Legal Services Chamberlains Law Firm Facebook page. You can send me a message and we'll respond. Well, there you have it. You can find links to today's guests as well as tons more tips at horsetipdaily.com. This podcast was made possible through the generous support of bednabox.com and listeners like you. Learn how you can help support Horse Radio Network programming and qualify for auditors-only perks by going to horsetipdaily.com and clicking on the Become an Auditor banner on the homepage. This is Coach Jen, and I'll be back again soon with another tip. So until then, go ride your horse! The Horse Radio Network and the Horse Radio Network hosts are not responsible for statements made by guests on the Horse Tip Daily. Please use your own judgment when listening to the tips on this show. <laughs>